Welcome to the Fun Engagement Pod from Fun Insights, bringing you insights straight from the experts. You can join the Fun Engagement Network at funinsights.co.uk and we'll let you know when new episodes come out. We're also on Acast, Google, Apple and all major podcasting platforms. This stuff is the future. 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 Welcome to episode 15 of the Fan Engagement Pod. This is a chat with Anthony Emerson, Supporter Growth and Services Manager at Stoke City Football Club. Anthony is a great person to chat to, and this one is a good example of someone who uses their insight as a fan themselves in a professional context. And make no bones about it, Anthony takes his role incredibly seriously and is very respectful of the important voice that fans have at Stoke specifically and at clubs everywhere. He was previously at Middlesbrough, where he started in a community engagement role, then took on a fan engagement role. He's a native of Hartlepool, and his first love in football is, of course, Hartlepool United. Anthony's role is not just important at the club, but respected by Stoke. And this is represented most clearly in the fact that he reports directly to the board of the football club and isn't just regarded as someone who deals with fan complaints. Don't forget you can join the fan engagement network at faninsights.co.uk forward slash network forward slash join for those who don't know you you were at Middlesbrough previously and now you're at Stoke and you've been there for 15 years is that right no I started working in football about 15 years ago and that was at Middlesbrough okay right. 15, uh, yes, 15 years yes. ago and how long were you at Middlesbrough Anthony uh so 10 years yeah okay. nine, or ten, nine or ten years I was at Middlesbrough yeah okay um, the journey there was community work. I was very much youth engagement, so I'm working with the community side of things and then uh, moved over to the business operation team, looking at ticketing, fan engagement and so on, family experience and stuff. Uh, and then came over to Stoke five or six years ago, doing similar stuff, support liaison work. My, my title at Stoke is support for growth and, and services manager. So one of the things that, that that looks at is growing the fan base predominantly through you know, youth, family, community initiatives. And then the services part of my job is making sure that when people are here, we give them the best possible time and, and look after them. Okay, so just picking up on that um, that first bit, that um, there is an interesting thing I've found anyway. Um, when I've spoken to people about fun engagement, there are occasions where people sort of muddle it up a bit and they'll start talking about, well, we do really good community work. And my response to that is always, that's terrific. You know, I believe stakeholder engagement is critical to every single football club. And stakeholders, you know, include community stakeholders, groups, individuals, people who live locally, people who might benefit from what you do, people who might be disrupted to what you do. And you need to manage those relationships. But let's get down to what the fans, what the relationship is with the fans. Now, you came through that journey, your journey started in the, in the community area. Can you see my point on that? Do you find that people perhaps don't significantly enough in football separate out the very unique, distinctive way you have to work with fans versus more generally with the community, even if there's overlaps? Yeah, I mean, when you, when you say the word community, the word outreach follows quite often or is in around similar sentences. So, you know, your off-site 
bringing a little bit of the football club hit, a football club glamour to people who are not necessarily engaged some of the time with, with the way of the footballing world. But, you know, when we talk about football, when we talk about football clubs, we have theatres, we have stadiums, we have home games, we have places where fans congregate, where the magic happens, if you like. So whilst community work is, you know, of the utmost importance, when you talk about engagement, I think this is where you're leading me. There's the match day engagement where myself and people like me at different clubs roll up their sleeves, stick on the big size 11s and, and dive straight in to help every single person that's at the stadium at that, at that point. Okay. Well, I mean, to be honest, I think it's the whole range in the end. I mean, there's, there's an area that I try to distinguish from what I want to focus on, and that's a lot of the very delivery-related things. You know, if your pies are hot and, um, you know, and your drinks are cold and beer's cold and your tea's hot and things like that, which are, you know, which often are at the end of a process. And if, if your tea's hot, uh, if your tea's lukewarm and your pies are, you know, cold in the middle and, um, you know, and the stewards are miserable and grumpy, that might tell you that the fan engagement isn't particularly good. Mm. Um, but I suppose where I go all the time is that I try to bring people back to, do you get any time to think about the way you approach this stuff? And what interested me, we were just chatting before we started, was that you talked about reporting directly to the board. And what, what really interests me um, isn't even necessarily that someone like you sits on the board or is is reports even... to yeah, reports to the board i'm invited in then uh, <laughs> but, that's but that's important i'm not that you know for me it needs to feel it needs to be these issues need to be in front of directors they need to be in front of chief executives um they don't just need to be aware of them and cognizant of them they need to be in you know to some extent it needs to be a thread ben kensel says this at norwich it needs to be a thread running through what you do everything everyone does yes and that's what i find what i find interesting is you are you know people are made aware because you are reporting directly to a board on what's happening and do you think do you find in the industry albeit that this probably applies to bigger clubs just because of more you'll have more staff and, and, and greater levels of management um do you find that lots of fan engagement and managing that relationship between fans and clubs do you think a lot of it gets hived off into a sort of well he's the fan engagement manager or she's the fan engagement manager let you know they'll deal with it or or is there a tendency to see more people like you who have got direct lines to boards or even having directors on the board who are concerned with this sort of thing uh it's all about how clubs want to approach uh, the dialogue the two-way communication with supporters dialogue that that can exist in many different forms. And I think when you talk about fan engagement manager, what you can't have in a football club is that person seen as the complaints department, if you like. I think when you talk about fan engagement, you know, we've talked outreach in the community and then I, I jumped in and, and mentioned match days. I think that what you've got to administer in terms of communication is 365 days a year, no matter how someone wants to contact the club, or how the club wants to contact the fans. There's various different methods, the face-to-face, -face, the meetings, the survey. There's various different types of supporters. There's, you know, the people that demand regular communications and there's people that once a year is enough for them. Thank you very much. So I think when you talk about fan engagement, it's managing a communicative process 
um, in a way that, that, that gives fans their type of communication and dialogue the way they want it. Again, I'll go back to someone that might send an email. Uh, but then we have other people that insist that they would like to, to come face to face, have a cup of tea and, and set the world to right. And to be honest, share some blooming good ideas and thoughts and, and bounce off uh, ideas, hopes, fears. And being generally in and around the world of fan engagement means that the person who holds the role at a football club is probably a bit of a football fan, bit of a football nut. So to sit down and talk on any matter at any time, it's not a nine to five job and it's not strictly through computing. It's not strictly on the phone. Uh, to manage fan engagement is, is communicative excellence, I would say. Good. I like that. That's the kind of answer I like, I like to hear. It's always good to hear people speaking about it in that way. You're, you've had, um, just kind of narrow, zooming in on something a bit more specific, you've had a, um, a sort of, a, what in the fan engagement index, I, just for a sort of an overall term, you've had a fans parliament there of fan representatives meeting for, I think it's 10 plus years, isn't it? I, I remember roughly yes. the time it was established. How important is that particularly to good fan engagement, having a having something like that that's clearly constituted and provides, I suppose, a level of feedback that isn't, you know, it's not the pick up the phone to the, to the you don't have one, but your independent supporters group or your supporters trust or something like that. Um, and it's not your fans forum where, where, you know, it's the sort of mass transparency and you're having conversations with th potentially thousands of people. How useful is that fans parliament? Just getting, it gets you a bit, does it, do you find it gets you closer to some of the more nitty gritty issues of, that fans are, are raising or is it, what does it benefit? Does it bring you, do you think? The, the benefit it has particularly at Stoke City is that it was a group that was brought together by the fans they approached the club and said, look, we're going to run an election process to put uh, some representatives that are voted for by supporters in front of you to ask questions that are important to us. We'll create our own agenda, uh, completely impartial. And we ask that people of uh, levels of seniority at the club and our support accounts, so it's five, five times a season. Uh, there is dialogue in between there where the supporters council can get in touch you know between meetings but five times a season and the chief exec always attends so for me to have you know guy at the top of the football club to sit in front of some supporter reps that have been voted for to sit on the panel to sit on the council uh, via the wider fan base and then present an agenda that is issues that are pertinent and bubbling within the fan base, then questions are answered, uh, feedback's given, two-way com communications dialogue, followed up by minutes on website for everyone to look at, appraise, give more commentary to. For me, it's massively important in terms of showing fans that, that all topics of a business nature, not necessarily, you know, you should sign him as number nine, he should be a new right back, that needs to be your goalkeeper and so on. It, it is business matters. When people look at the minutes and think, blooming heck, you know, they talked about that. That's the qualitative feedback that came. It serves really well because when someone says, you know, that the club might have been quiet, you can go back and say, well, actually, you know, we, there's a forum to present matters of general fan interest. He's the direct approach. That forum, that council ensures that everything is so is streamlined and presented at an appropriate time. It's not scatterbox information. It's not scatterbox 
Xbox feedback. Uh, it, it, for me, it, it's, it shows a transparency. It shows a willingness to listen and work with supporters. One thing that, that I do find when people say, yes, but have you sort of done wider fans forums? And so we do, we do them as well. Just in March before lockdown, unfortunately came along, we had to meet the, the, the vice chair, meet the manager and meet the CEO event where there was a room full of people where we were taking questions from the floor. But what you generally find is that the same type of topics come up as well. So my point in raising that is that fans shouldn't be worrying that just because we don't have a whole plethora of sort of uh, different groups, different forums, different councils that we're missing any topics. I think if you've got one good, solid elected body that fans are putting forward year on year because that's the election process, creating their own agenda, which is issues from the fan base, you'll generally find that all matters are covered. And you know, if you look in the minutes and a matter isn't there, we've always got the next meeting coming up to raise stuff uh, to the staff at the club. And then not just the staff to give answers, to have some real qualitative dialogue and, and get ideas, share ideas, come away with something that we can nurture and then run away with and, and improve the fan experience. So look, the thing that um, I find quite a lot in football is everyone's, um, you know, it's really good to talk to people and I get, I get so much positive stuff back and people are really willing to share it. What I often find is that people are really um, careful about saying, well, yeah, this could apply to other clubs. And they'll say, it's, it's, you know, and they'll say off, 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 uh, off record as well. They'll say to me, yeah, well, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't fit every club. Um, I mean, I beg to differ because I think the sort of thing you do can fit every club. I think what you do appears to be there's a lot of good habits that have been have been over time have been. And I don't know Stoke very well. I know Stoke because I know yeah. Malcolm Clark. And that's more or less, you know, apart from knowing that you had a fans parliament and knowing bits about your ownership. I don't you know, I'm not I don't profess to be an expert on Stoke, but I would say it sounds to me like. The kind of the kind of structured relationship you have with fans is a good starting point for a lot of clubs. Is it something you do? You, can you see that this this could benefit the sort of way you do it could benefit every club? There's no reason why the type of um, structure you have and the the way you talk about listening to the fans and and such is is you know that's that you know it's portable into any club, isn't it? Yeah, there's the transferability aspect. I mean, I, I've worked in a couple of clubs and I've been lucky enough to to realise that, you know, you can transfer lots of things over. And for me, it's not blind that only our club does it this way and it wouldn't work at yours. Football fans, by their very nature, and football clubs, by their very nature, they're completely and utterly similar. Um, so, for me, I, I'm never scared to sort of think that we can pick up an idea that's from another club or I can talk to colleagues. I'm forever speaking to colleagues at other clubs. But to go back to your point on, a, on structured dialogue and, and having particularly fans set an agenda, I think the wider fan base then looks at the club and says, OK, there's transparency there, there's honesty there. Uh, and you're going into future discussions and, and future communications with everyone understanding that it's... It's a fair starting point for me, you know, if I was a fan attending a football club and, you know, a football club forum, I am there and I'm elected. And yes, my, my fellow fans might have wanted me in those meetings, but if I walk in the meeting and the club reps come in and say, 
that's today's agenda that we're showing you and we're going to ask her the questions that we've just typed out on that sheet of paper loses it somewhat doesn't it so I, I think for me we have a very good model but I think also to reflect back on the club I'm quite proud to work at a club where we go to those meetings where you know ask us a question we, we'll, we'll answer as honestly as we can because you know th th there's an honesty here there's a lack of ego and there's a willingness to to work with the fans and completely you know in terms of whatever's happening off the field ask away and we'll, we'll do as best I can as we can in your image. And just go, just go down, just head down another particular avenue quickly. Um, the, and I do think it is increasingly a myth or understood as, as a myth. This, like, this myth that when you get fans together, what they want to know is what the right back earns or whether, or whether you know, the manager's for the chop soon. I mean, people are interested in that. Sure, of course they are. Um, I find that about you, um, fan, fans take this stuff quite seriously. Um, they are they're, they're perfectly prepared to to have a proper grown up discussions about this stuff, aren't they? Yeah, completely. And it's 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 welfare of fellow fans. It's you know anyone that sits on a on a council, anyone that sits on a parliament. Let's not forget these are volunteers that are giving up their own time after a working day or, or whatever. They're giving up their own time to go and sit at a football club that they care very deeply for, but want to make sure that match days are, are forever improving, continuously improving. So quite caring for by the very nature. And I think that the stuff about the football chat, you can talk before and after around, you know, the game that's coming, how do you think we're going to get on, et cetera, et cetera. But what you do, you set the conditions of why those people have come together, why the parliament's come together, what you can affect. You know, perhaps you can have a fans parliament where you talk football matters, but how convinced are the supporters going to be that that's going to have an actual effect and there's going to be some results from that? I think when you go along to a game, you generally, you know, you see mates in and amongst the crowd, you've got family and friends members, you've sometimes got some new family members you're introducing as a support for the very first time in family areas and so on. It's a... It's a welfare thing. Anyone that's saying, you know what, let's go and have a conversation about making this day even better for you. The football game's only 90 minutes of it. But some people, certainly those that travel a great distance, the day itself lasts a hell of a long time. So when you're talking about what the club can do or what you can improve, if you wake up in the morning, you're checking the club's Twitter feed, then can you have an impact on what that Twitter feed does? Is it letting me know what I should be bringing to the game in terms of, you know, wet clothes, dry clothes, et cetera, et cetera? Is it letting me know about traffic arrangements? Is it talking to me about new fare on the concourse? And then as you get closer to match day itself, as you get closer to the game and kickoff, then, you know, what's it like in and around the turnstiles? What are the bars like that you can go and visit beforehand? What's half-time like? What's egress like after the game? The game's 90 minutes, and people who represent uh, the fan base on a parliament, on a council, they can have a blooming big say across a, a whole wave of a match day, you know? So massively important. And, and for me, and this isn't lip service at all. Anyone who works in football, anyone that's been in and around a parliament, anyone that is on a parliament, on a council, you get some blooming great characters, people who are, you know, good, honest folk that give up their time and it should always be applauded and never lost. Dare I say it as well, well, you said it yourself, is the bit that, the bit, and I, you know, the, these are my words. It kick, I think, I always think it keeps clubs honest. It's not that... I don't think it's that clubs want to hide stuff. I think most of the time clubs don't want to hide stuff, actually, apart from the things, obviously, that we don't talk about. You know, we don't publish wage bills over here. 
and all those sorts of things. You know, we don't talk about those particular issues, but it does keep, it, it's good because on one hand, it, it gives, it does give fans an opportunity to demonstrate that they're responsible enough to be able to deal with these issues, you know, and as I say, countless times they show they can. So I don't know why anyone has an argument about it, but it does also keep clubs, you know, real alive to the issues of fans that fans have and it and it kind of means that you know what i've seen what i can see here now is that it kind of means that that habit those habits you kind of talk about um those habits remain you know they become well they start off as things that you do and they become habits don't they and you don't you don't lose habits very easily and if they're good habits you know and you're constantly reinforcing them by that relationship that's that's what it's about isn't it really wherever yeah. the impact yeah. is felt. Yeah, I think that, you know, as you were speaking there, I've got to be careful that I don't see myself as, you know, only working in clubs that I would say are terrific, terrific examples of, of ownership in terms of community positioning, in terms of honesty, in terms of integrity across the places that I've worked. Uh, but there's some fans out there that will say, you know, our club's not had it so lucky in terms of how they've been you know, flirting with administration, out of business, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, it's not lost on me that, that other people could have other sort of real examples from their particular club. But as a starting point, I can only comment from the, the, the clubs that I've been at, and particularly the club I currently work at, Stoke City, my club, uh, you know, to have that position of, of honesty, communication, dialogue, what a great place to start off on a fan engagement journey or continue on a fan engagement journey. So just tell me, just um, I just want to sort of touch at least on your on you your you personally, professionally, if you like. What what was it that made you want to go and work in football, or was it an accident? Did you just stumble uh, work at middle? Yeah, I mean, football is an industry. You know, there's not. Uh, I'd like to say that I was an ex-pro and I've got loads in the bank, and now I can just you know. But no, it, I, I was never never good enough to be a player that then merged into the world of of the business of football. For me, personally, jobs in football don't come up very often, but I, I, I saw one uh, when I was relatively you know, youthful and, and just left university as such and, and thought, right, I'm gonna go for it and I'm gonna make sure I get it. But the one thing I've always found easy is that I'm, I'm a football fan and always have been. My club by birth, my club, uh, my hometown club's Hartlepool United. So I know all about, you know, just, just a continuous, perpetual can i say anthony you know about disappointment yeah i was going to say perpetual defeats uh <laughs> yeah. dismay poor pictures etc et but without me knowing it i was growing up sort of understanding the world of those people that might appear browbeaten from the outside in terms of plumbing egg i wouldn't want to support them but actually I, i've always without knowing it but now i do because i've studied it a bit I was witnessing magic every single match day before, during and after because of the camaraderie, the gallows humour, the friendship, the memories that were created, good, bad and ugly. Um, so for me, football, when, when a job opportunity appeared, I thought I'm in a position to handle this. And I think that the, what my genuine football support gave from, from the club that is my hometown club, the club that I hold dear, um, but a club that perhaps couldn't have allowed me professionally to kick on as I've been able to do at Stoke City. Um, it gave me a real empathy with anyone that can come towards me. So, for example, when I started work at Stoke City, people heard a northeastern accent and said, are you Newcastle United, our, our rivals in the Premier League? I said, no, I'm the other United. 
I'm Hartlepool United. And by the way, our ground's the Victoria Grant, as you used to have at Stoke. And people immediately just thought, you know what? He's one of us. And what does that mean? He's a football fan. We can sit down and chew the fat and talk all things football. So I've never been someone that's been necessarily scared by thinking, well, it won't work over there. Because for me, in my particular role, I'm interested in the fans. It's not a commercial entity purely in my role. It's more just give the fans a bit more of what they want. And I've always, from a very early age, season card holder from the age of six, spent most of my supporting life before I came to work professionally on a terrace. There's not many things that, that, that sort of I can't share thoughts, ideas with, with supporters of any club, really. So I was, I was chatting to Matt Cecil at Wickham Wanderers the other day, and he's a Wickham Wanderers fan, has been since, I think he said he went to his first game in 1993. And he said to me, some people... Um, will say to him, or oh, you know, the, the trouble is of being a fan. I mean, and maybe it's a bit different when you're the f- a fan of the club. Um, um, but I'm not sure it's that different because I think it's about professionalism. Would Some people would say to him, well, you see, you you know, you're essentially, I'm, I'm putting this in, I'm using my words, you know, your brain's fogged. You can't make proper decisions because, you know, being a fan. Um, and I and and I have to say it's clearly not true because a lot of people have talked about it. Several people have mentioned Matt and said they're really impressed in what he does. So actually, this idea that you can't—it's—it's it's, for me. It's probably more about being out. Can are you capable of taking a step back? Um, do you have the kind of brain that allows you to do that? There are some people who just aren't very good at it. Who might actually—I've met a lot of people who are not football fans who've run football. Uh, done it really badly so it sounds to me like you know if you can have that experience and understanding directly of what the, let's be honest some of the disappointments are as well as some of the highs um and combine it with an ability sorry that goes off every so often during an interview um you know combine it with the ability to take a step back that's what's all important isn't it and that's what i found with everyone i've spoken to and someone you know well tom gorringe yes. um you know does some of the best for me, some of the best sort of very practical, but also very strategic fan engagement um, out there. And, and he's as much a fan of any, of, of, you know, of Brighton in this case as anyone else. So it's good to hear that you talk about it in such a positive way, because I think it is. Yeah, it is completely. And I, I'm, you, you, you are immersed in the club that you work for and you just, it, it almost, you know, when you join a football club, as I've joined a football club, as you start to be an employee, it, it's almost a, a fast track to becoming a, a lifetime fan, if that makes any sense. It's all of a sudden like, whoa, I'm completely and utterly immersed in this. You know, I, I've, I've lived through a relegation from the Premier League with Stoke City when you talk about not just how that affects you mentally, but when you talk about how it can, can affect in terms of, of job prospects and so on. There's so many facets to working at a club where you're so galvanised and so intrinsically sort of invested in everything it, it does. I think what I would say in terms of the emotion, well, can you handle that therefore, Anthony, and how do you know you make the right decisions? I think one thing that I would say that you've touched on there is that where I'd like to think some of my limited professionalism comes in is that I, I have an ability to sit on the emotion for 24 hours and then think, right, get a good night's sleep if you can. Now revisit that email you were going to send, revisit that proposal you were going to put together, revisit that sort of bit of niggle that you had, and now how do you think about it? You've got to always realise that working at a football club, you're just passing through this, this wonderful sort of, you know, this wonderful empire, this wonderful building, this wonderful collection of memories. In Stokes' case, it's existed since 1863. 
so I'm a, I'm a mere dot on the uh, you know the timeline if you like so when I speak I'm very aware that I, I'm representing the forefathers the people that have gone before me in terms of support in terms of players in terms of you know ownership and all types of stuff Stanley Matthews used to play Stoke City as lots of people know Gordon Banks played at Stoke City we've got statues of both of both of them outside and I'm a massive fan but where the professionalism kicks in is when I do something on their behalf on the supporters behalf just breathe and give it some class if you can, Anthony.